What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and last week we went over how after the running back dead zone, right, the running backs we want to be avoiding in that rounds three through six area, you get to what I'm calling this RB green zone in rounds eight to 12, where you don't want to be drafting wide receiver archetypes like Russell Gage and Christian Kirk and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but instead we should be targeting running backs in that area. A lot of the running backs in this area have league winning upside and it's not coming at the opportunity cost of a league winning wide receiver like Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase types last year, all guys who were drafted in rounds three through seven. So today I'm gonna talk about my favorite running back targets in this area going outside of the top 24 running backs in ADP that I think have top 12 upside for 2022. So let's not waste any more time Let's get straight into the video. If you enjoy it at any point in time, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, try to choose. I mean, I know I'm critical. And first up, we have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who I have ranked as the 7'11", as the RB26. He's going off the board on underdog at pick 804 as the RB28. Now, before we get into CEH and his kind of ugly profile, Let's talk about underdog fantasy. The puppy is still out right now. It is the best entry point for any new comer to the best ball space to get into best ball, to get into a tournament. It's $5 to enter, $200,000 to first place, a million dollars in total prizes. These things fill up quick. It's the third puppy right now. Again, I have no clue how many puppies are going to do on the entire season. So if you want to get some puppy exposure, now is the time. You can use promo code RON on underdog fantasy to get your deposit matched up to $100. I'll have the link down below in the description. I'll have the link down below in the comments. I'm telling you guys, if you want to get in on the puppy, now is the time. Now, when we talk about CEH, I wanted to fade CEH this year so bad, guys. We know he's not very good. At this point in his career, he was a first-round pick in the NFL draft. Hasn't panned out. Last year, he was a two, three-round turn pick, and he returned an awful 5.3% win rate. We know average win rate is 8.3%, one divided by 12 he hurt your team really bad if you had him. And because of that, he's burned a lot of people. And at this point, people don't want anything to do with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Again, we're drafting him at an eighth round price tag here. And this is the Chiefs backfield. We know they're going to score a lot of points. And we've seen some crazy ADPs over the last few years. We saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year, second round pick. The year before that, we saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a first round pick. 2019, Damian Williams was a third-round pick in fantasy. 2017, the year with Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware was a fifth-rounder. Which then brings us to eighth-round CEH. Again, the lead back in this backfield, on average, has been a first to fifth-round pick in fantasy, going all the way back to the Kareem Hunt days. And we now have an opportunity to draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the eighth round. And as much as I don't love CEH, and I don't think that he's a talented player, this is a guy who I think in recent years like let's just say he wasn't somebody who let people down the past two years Clyde Edwards-Alaire would be a guy just looking at his at his profile first round NFL draft pick lead back for the Kansas City Chiefs in year three this should be a guy who is a classic dead zone running back getting drafted in the fifth or sixth round and we're getting a massive discount because he hurt people's feelings now again I'm not going to argue that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a really talented running back but I think in this area eighth round plus you can kind of push aside talent a little bit for a situation like the Chiefs where they're going to be a top five to ten scoring offense we've seen running backs do well in this scheme under Andy Reid and we don't need 
that much from Clyde edwards for him to pay off. Last year, we had Damian Harris, who was an eighth-round pick, and he averaged 14 points per game. He had a 10% win rate. And I don't think it's wild to see CEH do something similar. He hit 13.5 points per game as a rookie. If he just copied that mark this year at an eighth-round price tag, we're probably looking at a guy who doesn't smash ADP, but isn't a net loss and is someone you can start as an RB2 all the time. And if we look back to last year, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was out from week 6 through 10. In his spot was Darrell Williams competing in a backfield with Jarek McKinnon and Derek Gore, and he put up 17.8 points per game over that stretch. So I don't see how Clyde Edwards-Alaire can get to like 14 to 15 points per game on the absolute low end. He's not competing with Darrell Williams anymore. It's just looking like Jarek McKinnon and potentially guys like Isaiah Pacheco and Derek Gore. And the reason I leave Ronald Jones out is because we're getting reports now that Ronald Jones is on the roster bubble. And I originally thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire would get squeezed out by Ronald Jones for the carries and the goal line work, and he'd get squeezed out by Jarek McKinnon as a pass down back. Now we have new information, and running backs like to have three to four RBs on their final roster, and on game day, they're only going to roll with three running backs on the active roster, especially on a team like the Chiefs, who I believe they still have fullback Anthony Sherman on the active roster and on active game days. And right now there's reports that Pacheco is the lock to make the team and that he's taking kick returns, which means that if he's going to be used on special teams, he's going to be one of the running backs active on game day. So that's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That's Pacheco, who I'm not super concerned about taking away any of Clyde Edwards-Alaire's role. And then you have one last spot for McKinnon or Rojo. Right now it seems like Rojo, but in the event that Rojo gets cut, or if Rojo makes a team and there's four running backs, let's say Derek Gore gets cut, and it's Ronald Jones, Derek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. Ronald Jones likely isn't active on game days because most most teams run with three running backs on active game days. So you're looking at Clyde, McKinnon, Pacheco. And in that world, Clyde is getting a ton of work between the 20s, probably getting goal line work, and that's beautiful. But let's say Ronald Jones makes a team and McKinnon gets cut. In that scenario, we have Clyde Edwards-Alaire on a team that has a lack of pass catchers, right? Tyree Kill is gone. You're looking at Travis Kelsey, of course, but then it's like Juju, Sky Moore, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, McCole Hardman, guys who haven't been established in this offense, he now gets like 40 to 50% of the rushing work, and then he also gets a pretty big receiving role. So this news of the running backs getting shaken up with this Isaiah Pacheco news hasn't budged Clyde Edwards-Alaire's ADP at all. So I think that's why I love his price. I think if Rojo doesn't make the team, he benefits. If McKinnon doesn't make the team, he benefits. And he also has top 12 upside. Just being a Chiefs running back in this offense, if he scores 15 touchdowns and he gets... 50 plus targets, he's probably in that area. The next guy we're going to talk about is Tony Pollard, who goes off the board on underdog at the 7-11 as the RB27. In my ranks, he's my 7-12 as the RB27. So right on line with ADP. Sadly, I only have 6.6% exposure to Tony Pollard, but he's somebody that I want to make an effort to get a lot more of for a few reasons. And I've just come around on Pollard and I wanted to let you guys know why. And the first thing is that people mistake Pollard as this pure handcuff speculative play like a Alexander Madison, but I think that there's plenty of room for Pollard to have a standalone role. And I want to show this to you guys by using Mike Clay's projections to spit out projected weighted opportunities per game for the running backs that go in this RB20 to RB35 area. And Mike Clay has Tony Pollard at 11.1 weighted opportunities per game in that Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kareem Hunt, Chase Edmonds area. So again, standalone touch value. And when we look at a pure handcuff like an Alexander Madison, he's only projected for 7.7 .7 weighted opportunities per game all the way at the bottom. That's what a pure handcuff looks like. Pollard has upside for more than that. So that's just his baseline from Mike Clay's projections, where Mike Clay still has Zeke out-touching him, out-targeting him, all of that. And he still has a 
weighted opportunity floor similar to other running backs who are seen at the top of their committee like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, like Ramondre Stevenson. Now, when we look at Tony Pollard, he has a lot of upside. We now have two straight years where if you want to point to Ezekiel Elliott's injuries last year, we now have two straight years where in every relevant efficiency stat, Pollard blows Zeke out of the water. And I get that Zeke is due 18 million. I understand that. And people want to follow the money, whatever. People said that last year where James Conner didn't get a ton of money. So it was like, are the Cardinals going to use him? They ended up using him. Same thing said about Kenny Galladay. He was paid a ton of money. They're going to use him as this dominant wide receiver. He sucked last year. Following the money doesn't always work. And with Zeke declining and Pollard playing well, I think it's reasonable to expect Pollard to see more touches siphoning away work from Ezekiel Elliott. But this isn't going to come between the 20s or on the goal line. I'm not saying that Tony Pollard is just going to become the lead back in this offense, but people see Tony Pollard as a satellite back because he's so good at receiving, but he's not really used that way. He was only one of three running backs last year with Cordell Patterson and Christian McCaffrey to have above a two yards per out run as a running back. That's insane. He was also third in targets per out run among all running backs. He's extremely efficient when he's given the opportunity, but Zeke was actually the satellite back last year. And this is a screen grab from a week four utilization report from Dwayne McFarland on PFF. He does amazing work and he shows kind of the utilization breakdown in every backfield. When we look here from weeks two through four, I tried to find something early in the season before Zeke got hurt. I know he injured his PCL in week four, but it's still a fine show of kind of how the role broke down. And as you guys can see, over that three-week sample, Zeke played on 76% of the long-distance snaps, which are third-down snaps, fourth-down snaps, long-down and distance. They pretty much explain themselves. And then the two-minute snaps, he played on an average of 95% of those snaps. And this is the role we want for Pollard because Pollard could be in this role where Zeke handles between the 20s, some of the goal line stuff, and Pollard kind of slips into this Alvin Kamara role where he gets some change of pace touches, and then he gets all of the long down and distance and two-minute drill snaps. And I think that it's really easy to see this backfield kind of look like that Mark Ingram-Alvin Kamara split that we've seen in 2017-2018 area. And this isn't me just, you know, grabbing a receiving role out of thin air. The early reports at Cowboys camp is that Pollard is the favorite to take on this role which is massive. This is a report straight out of Cowboys training camp saying the Cowboys are all in on the increased usage of Pollard in tandem with Zeke and as a slot wide receiver. Pollard opened 11 on 11 drills with the first team offense as slot wide receiver. He ended practice as the primary third down back in the two minute drill with Elliott on the sidelines. Now, people love to sort of grab on to him playing in the slot. The slot stuff is fun, but it's not a big driver of fantasy points we really want those passing down satellite back third down long down and distance two minute drill snaps those are where the money is made and again if pollard gets that usage he pays off now if this doesn't come true and he stays at the 11.1 weighted opportunities per game again mike clay isn't assuming that he has pollard having less targets than zeke elliott less touches all of that, he is just projecting Pollard at a similar role to what he had last year. And I think at 11.1 weighted opportunities per game, he would be just fine as a standalone option. But again, if he gets that passing down work, it's all over. Now, even if he doesn't, I think that he can flirt with top 12 numbers given the passing down work in a Kamara type role with like, like I'm talking early Kamara, early Eckler, where we're talking like 14 weighted opportunities per game. But in the event that 
let's say it doesn't happen, his scorched earth top 12 upside comes from contingent upside or contingent upside, which is just in the event of chaos of the NFL season, if Zeke goes down, what happens to Pollard? And Pollard's one of the few running backs in this range where if Zeke went down tomorrow with some season-ending injury, Pollard would be a second-round draft pick. And that's because he's an extremely talented running back on a top-10 offense with a good offensive line. He put up a 30-point game without Zeke a couple years ago. He's first in rush grade on PFF. He was fourth in yards at the contact per attempt, six in elusive rating. This is the profile that is extremely talented, that benefits from all the chaos of the season. He is perfect for zero RB builds or just hero RB builds where you want to stack RB2s up. Again, I cannot stress enough, Tony Pollard is not just a handcuff. He's someone with standalone value. He's somebody that can inherit a Kamara-type role where they've never given him the long down and distance snaps, but he's drawing live to this year, which all makes him a really exciting pick in that round eight area with top 12 upside. Next, we have Kareem Hunt, who goes off the board as the 811 is the RB31. He's my 803 as the RB30. And I absolutely love Kareem Hunt in this range for a few reasons. One, it's that he's still extremely talented. He is still that guy. He was a top five running back with 20 point per game upside in his first two years on the Chiefs. We all remember when he was like a first round pick in 2018. He probably still would be a first round pick if he stayed with the Chiefs and didn't have his weird scandal or whatever. But that was three to four years ago, but he still got it. Last year, he was a top 10 running back averaging 17.4 points per game through week six until he got hurt. And that just shows he can produce on efficiency, on being good next to a guy like Nick Chubb. And again, he looked good. He had the efficiency. He not only scored points per game, but he was six in yards after contact per attempt. He was 10th in breakaway run percentage. He was six in elusive rating. He was genuinely very good to almost an elite level running back on his opportunities last year. And he's not only talented, but he plays in passing downs, which is massive. He had an 11.8% target share last year, was RB13 on the NFL season in that stat, despite only playing less than 50% of the snaps in this backfield. He was also efficient on those targets. He was seventh in yards per out run ahead of Austin Eckler and behind Alvin Kamara. I cannot stress enough. He still has juice. He only turns 27. He can rush. He can catch. He can win in all phases. And that's all fine within the context of the Browns offense, right? We're drafting a guy who goes in like the RB3 range. He's finished around that 13.5 points per game the last few seasons on the Browns in that RB20 to RB25 range, but he has so much more upside in the event of a trade. And it recently came out that he demanded a trade and the Browns rejected it, and then he started practicing again. So it's kind of on the back burner. It doesn't seem like he's going to get traded by now, but it's still possible. I don't think that they go into the season with guys like Dearness Johnson, Kareem Hunt, after drafting Jerome Ford in the NFL draft. They also have Demetric Felton, who's a fun upside running back they drafted the year prior and I just doubt they roll into the season with that because Dearness Johnson his salary doesn't go against the cap neither does Kareem Hunt's one of them is going to get cut or traded we don't know which one at this point and if it's Kareem Hunt you are going to get an absolute value on your hands if you draft him in the eighth round in the event of a trade and this is a great tweet by Dwayne McFarlane listing the spots that Kareem Hunt could get traded to and immediately get vaulted in ADP he says that he should be in RB1 territory if he gets traded or gets signs with any of these teams between the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the 49ers, the Texans, the Bears, the Falcons. There's a lot of outs to this bet. And I love leaning into a fine zero RB profile like he has where he can be a back end RB2 if he stays on the Browns and he can absolutely smash if he gets traded or if Chubb gets injured and there's no, no Dearness Johnson there and he's the only running back there. There's a lot of outs. And in terms of RB1 upside for Kareem Hunt, if he gets traded to the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, 
it's all over. He is a top 12 running back at that point that you just stole in the eighth round. Now, the last running back we're going to talk about here is one that I cannot shut up about, Ramondre Stevenson. He goes off the board at the 812 as the RB32. In my rankings, he's the 804 as the RB31. And I talked about him two weeks ago in my skyrocketing video. But again, I can't stop talking about him. I can't stop drafting him. I want to go over him one more time because some things have changed since then. And on top of that, I think that he is one of these guys in this RB3 range that has RB1 type upside. And we want running backs in this area that are talented, that have juice. And Ramondre Stevenson is that. He was 11th in yard up to contact per attempt, 6th in elusiveness rating, 3rd in yak per reception. He makes plays after the catch, after contact, everything that we want. He creates his own efficiency. And Mike Clay has New England projected for the fourth most rushing touchdowns and the 13th most rushing attempts. I think it's overlooked how valuable pieces in this backfield are where whoever is leading the committee for the time being, they absolutely smash in fantasy because Bill Belichick in this offense generates so many fantasy points in this backfield. We've seen LeGarrette Blunt, We saw Damian Harris last year. We've seen like Mike Gillisley for stretches. We've seen uh, Deion Lewis for stretches. We've seen Rex Burkhead for stretches. I'm trying to think of the other guys who have played well in that Patriots backfield, but you, you get stretches from all of those guys. And I think there's upside for Ramondre Stevenson to not only have a stretch where he dominates, but to have an entire 17 game season of him absolutely smashing in leagues. And something to note is last time I talked about Ramondre Stevenson, I brought up Mike Clay's projections. Since then, Mike Clay has actually swapped Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson in terms of volume. Ramondre Stevenson is now projected for 11.1 weighted opportunities per game in that Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds area. And this isn't even assuming Ramondre Stevenson gets the passing down role in two-minute drills and long down and distance. He is just mixing in with like 40% of the running back carries and 45 targets. And he's projected as the RB31 in fantasy, which feels like his floor. And again, that's where you're drafting him. Now he has two clear outs to absolutely smashing in fantasy. One is that he's been getting rave reviews in camp and the reports are saying Ramondre could get the bulk of the carries. And if he gets the bulk of the carries and it's 1A Ramondre, 1B Damian Harris in terms of the carries and his carries go from like 40% of the RB carries to like 60%, 55% along with his baseline receiving in that like 45 target area, he's an RB2. The second way he pays off is he has a three down skill set and he can catch passes. Mike Clay, as of right now, has him projected for 45 targets. James White is projected for 33, but he's currently on the pup. He has hip issues. There's a chance that he never plays football again. So if James White gets cut, Brandon Bolden and James White were the receiving backs last year. If neither of them are there and Ramondre gets a long down and distance and two minute drill snaps, He's looking at like 65 plus targets. And from there, if he has 65 plus targets, plus like 40% of the rushing, boom, he's an RB2. Now I will say, small disclaimer, right now, Ty Montgomery is getting some buzz in training camp. So that's really our only threat to those passing down snaps, long down and distance, two minute drill. It's not a lock that Ty Montgomery gets. It's not a lock that Ramondre gets it. It's part of the upside. I would give it coin flip to like 65% in favor of Ramondre Stevenson to secure at least like 50% of those situations. It's just something to monitor as the offseason goes on. Now, if both of those upside scenarios cross and he's the 1A to Damian Harris is 1B and he sees like 55 to 60% of the carries and he is the long down and distance two minute drill running back with like 65 plus targets, then we're looking at an RB1 and an offense that creates a lot of fantasy points 
for running back he is someone i've been trying to draft a lot of i think when i made that skyrocketing video Ramondre might have only been like seven percent for me now i have him in above 10 percent of leagues at this point i think his adp is only going to rise from here he's someone i want on all of my teams now that is going to do it for us today fellas if you want access to these rankings to make sure that you're drafting these running backs in the green zone check out the patreon patreon.com slash ron stewart it has my top 200 ppr half ppr redraft rankings along with my in-season waiver wire fab guidance my in-season rest of season rankings you also get all the dynasty stuff all included on the patreon i have the ranking set up in a way where i have running backs pushed up in the very beginning then you'll see in the dead zone just a bunch of wide receivers and then i actually have these profiles like Ramondre, pollard clyde edwards alaire singletary pushed up because i do think once you get to those wide receivers like christian kirk and russell gage and marquez valdez scantling that's when the tides turn and that round eight area on that's when we want to be hammering our running backs our rb2s and hero rb builds our running backs and zero rb builds those are the profiles we want we want as many as those profiles as possible so i have them pushed up there so it does sort of give you a choose your own adventure with my rankings where it'll kind of lead you down the path of drafting your team within structure that has statistical evidence that that is the way to go to avoid the dead zone early take running backs in those round one to two area fade running backs until round eight it's all set up there for you guys to dominate your home leagues. So make sure you check it out. Patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. If you enjoyed the video at any point in time, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see you guys in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Tenno, on. Foolies glad I'm home. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner's